Hello, Four Star Nation, and welcome to a special Monday, May 24th episode. We welcome in the athletic director and the head football coach of the Cross at Eagles, Mr. Coach Sean Jackson. Coach, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, man. How are you guys? Oh, man, we're doing well for a Monday. Doing well for yes, a Monday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Four Star Sports Show brought to you by BA Masks. Uh, for more information, reach out to BAMask.com. You can also give them a follow on social media at BAMask. They are the leading, just forging the future of face masks across the football uh, landscape. Uh, lacrosse and others. Uh, Justin Tuck is a guy who is a big proponent of BA mask, uh, wore his mask um, yearly uh, in the NFL. But BAMask.com, reach out to him. He's got Coach Sean Jackson on the line with us tonight. Coach, let's talk a little bit of college football on the national landscape. I asked this question to Cole Kubelek the other night when we had him on. Uh, let me ask your opinion on the transfer portal as we know it, which I feel like is essentially just a free agency. But uh, yeah. give me your uh, give me your input on or insight. I'm sorry on the transfer portal and what do you think it's going to do to college football moving forward? You know, when I when I coached at the University of Missouri, you know, you had your 85 guys, and then when they started with you, that's who basically ended up there. You know, very few people transferred because of the penalty, and you were able to develop players. Uh, the transfer portal makes it really, really hard on college coaches to develop players. You know, um, over time, like you might take a kid that's a red, red shirt, he might as a freshman, and excuse me, and then get him ready, you know, and then he's playing by his uh, – sophomore year well now if he's not playing by then he's out of there so developing players uh, makes it really really hard on college coaches right now and what's going to happen is, well, is you're going to see their tenure get smarter smaller and their contracts get longer because and their buyouts get bigger because they know the what the way the landscape is right now in college football and so you know if you ain't, if the uh, gary templeton said one time if i ain't starting i ain't departing you know, so that that's the way it ends up being, and people end up leaving and transferring and going to other places. And, um, you know, it makes it tough on football coaches in general. All right, next question when it comes to the college football landscape. Uh, this, uh, this NIL, I'm sure you're very familiar with what I'm referring to. The uh, How do you think that's going to play out? Uh, and, and let me ask you this. How I mean, how can you really police that? I mean, I, I've I've got so many questions when it comes to this topic. Yeah. How, how can you police it? But also, give me your opinion on it. You, you, I don't see there's any way that you can police it. And you know, your name and your likeness is your name and your likeness. And I, I don't, I've never understood why any of those kids wouldn't uh, be able to profit uh, off that over time. You know, especially. You know, look at how much money, let's say, a Tim Tebow would have made when he was at college at the University of Florida. But then, it, you know, some of that goes back to your school, too. But I, I see there's no way uh, to be able to, to uh, police it. You know, some um, – let's look at uh, Justin Fields last year, Trevor Lawrence last year, for example. If it, if that was in play, then wouldn't they have had to have an agent? They would have had to have somebody professionally to manage their money with everything that was going on. So then the question to me of amateurism comes into play. Is he really, is he a college player? Is he a pro player? Uh, what, what is he? Is he in the middle of the road there? So uh, that that's really, really hard. And then, you know, how much do the, 
you know, at what point is it going to be like, are they going to school? And then, and then another thing is when's enough enough? You know, like a kid that goes to the University of Missouri for five years gets a $250,000 scholarship, all the food he can eat, all the clothes basically he can wear. And, uh, you know, he's got a great education. So at what point, you know, is it uh, enough enough? Let me ask you this, Coach. Speaking of uh, a school like University of Missouri, um, take, for instance, I'll just use Trevor Lawrence, for example. In, in, in my opinion, the brand is what is going to turn out to make this NIL the biggest deal because if you're Trevor Lawrence and you're at Clemson, you, you may can get a Pizza Hut deal. But my yeah. question is this. What if you're Trevor Lawrence and you got a Pizza Hut deal in Clemson, South Carolina, or whatever their city is, and then all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence says, hey, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to go play for Nick down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But yet he's still got a contract tied with this pizza company, but that pizza company is not in Tuscaloosa. I, yeah, I, mean, no, I, no. I just feel like there's so many – there's more roadblocks in this than there is anything else. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the thing about it is how, how transparent is all that going to be? You know, and then, right. you know, you have to – do you have to turn over your W-2 forms then to the NCAA and they have to know everything that's in your, in your financial background? And is that any of their business? Right. You know, so it's a, uh, the, the NCAA is a tough deal, man. Uh, you know, I remember I got in trouble one time when I was at the university of Missouri through compliance, because I sent a media guide to a kid in, in Texas, you know, it's just stuff like that. Yeah. You got to just, you know, you got to be careful. The NCAA, uh, the, I, there's good and bad in that, you know, the way that I see it. And it's uh, – I don't think anybody can win in the situation. It's a, it's not a win-win situation. Well, I think I, – I mean, in, in my opinion, you're taking the power out of the university's hands and you're putting all the power in the players' hands. I mean, yeah. like, for example, we saw – I believe it was a player in the Pac-12 – the players out there were demanding half of the revenue from the TV contract. I, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just crazy, but yeah, uh, coach, go ahead. No, it's just, and then, and then what ends up happening in the West is, uh, you know, coaches become harder and harder. So then you got people that's demanding half of the TV contract and then they'll play two years and then they'll set out their, or they'll set out their sophomore year and won't even play getting ready for the NFL you know what I mean? And they've demanded all this money, but yet they're not playing for that institution. Yep. So that that's what makes it really, really hard, you know. One last question on the college football front, and then we'll get over into CrossFit. This kind of ties into high school. I uh, saw a report last week, I believe, that a player in Texas will go, was going to sit out his senior year of high school to get ready for college. Now, yep. as far as I know, this is the first time I've ever seen this happen. <laughs> what, as a high school coach, how do you approach something like that? I mean, what what is your firepower back at it? They're, they're, you know, you're helpless as far as that goes. Here's here's what happens to the uh, – as soon as I saw that, I shared that email with all the coaches. And to be honest, I saw that coming for a while. Was when people started skipping bowl games. And then there's a cute cold word for, you know, opting out has become a cold word for quitter. You know, so now people opt out and they quit on their team and, and you know um, – you know, like, let, let's take Ed Orgeron, for example. Everybody's breathing down his neck really hard this year. Well, you know, he had the first pick in the draft, the best quarterback, had the best season in so many years. 
And then, you know, the best wide receiver, Jamar Chase, he just decides not to play. And there's two or, two or three other draft picks that don't play. When, when you lose draft picks, coaches get fired. So here's what's going to happen to the coach in Texas. They're not going to remember that that kid uh, skipped his senior year and he quit on his teammates. What they're going to remember is that year is, hey, you guys went five and five or four and six. You didn't get it done. Uh, you know, pack up your stuff. We're, fire, we're hiring somebody else. So that, that makes it really, really hard on coaches because if you lose a kid like uh, the kid was a four-star running back going to Texas, well, you're not replacing him. You know, and you built your pro, you built your offense kind of around him, and you built your scheme around him. And uh, then the next thing you know, you know, he's out of the picture because he's getting ready to go to Texas. And then my question to Sark would be this: Is it all right? So what are you going to do after two years when he sets out and he doesn't play his junior year for you? Or what if he doesn't feel like it's you know he's got to beat Oklahoma to keep his job? <coughs> Everybody knows that, so he gets ready to go play Oklahoma. And then he's not feeling like playing that day. He's opting out of playing against Oklahoma that day. And then the next thing you know, you know, they get beaten and he's fired. So at what point there has to be accountability on both ends. I get it. You know, I don't know what the answer is at the end of the day. But in order for play football players to get better, they have to play. In order for coaches to for the team to get better, the players have to play. And the coaches have to coach. It's, it's that simple. Yeah, and I mean, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, with the Texas kid, I mean, if you're Sark, do you do you bring him in now? I mean, technically, I guess you can. He's yeah. sitting out his last year. Do you bring him well, in now, or do you make him sit at home? You know, well, you here. This, this happened a couple of years ago. A guy that I know really well, but a friend of mine, Bobby Bentley, uh, he he took a job at South Carolina, and his son Jake was going to school down there in Alabama. And Bobby left and went and became the uh, wide receivers coach or running backs coach at South Carolina. So Jake went with him and uh, Jake skipped his senior year. And then he graduated early and everything was set and ready to go. And when, when that happened, I kind of saw that kind of stuff uh, going on. So the, the deal is, is if he's graduated and he's done there, then you might as well go on and have him start playing for you now because I, I don't know how he's going to get better uh, by not playing football, by not being in the program. It, it's been my experience, Wes, that when coach, you know, ki when kids get away from football, their grades go down, the uh, other things come into their life. And uh, Coach Pinkle used to have a, a rule there. Uh, he called it distraction control there at the University of Missouri. And, uh, mm -hmm. boy, when you're not playing football, there are a whole lot of distractions for that kid. And I, I just hate it for him. I I wish he would just go and play football and uh, let everything fall where they may and, and not get, you know, because he's bringing a lot of heat on himself, I think, from this. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Coach, let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, the school that's right across the street from my house, Crossett High School. Uh, last year, you had a great year. Um, it was your first season here. Uh, you, It was one of those things where you just kind of came in and, you know, you, you kind of took what you had and made the best out of it. Uh, yeah. Moving, moving, moving into this season, uh, you've had a full season with the guys. Uh, how are we looking for next year? It's a, um, you know, I'm really, really pleased with these kids. Love ball here, man. There, there's no other way to describe that. And uh, you know, last year we didn't have a 
off season. I mean, we literally barely lifted weights and because of all the COVID protocol. And then we went out there, you know, in August and just basically went out there and played. So ever since then, at the end of football last year, the off season process started and we've got a lot bigger and a lot stronger and uh, throughout the all. And we really, really needed that um, as a program here just because they were off for so long, you know, Heck, it's uh, science says a kid loses strength after one week. So imagine how when we went from March to, you know, June and then barely – you couldn't even live with a spotter, Wes. I mean, it was right. it was embarrassing to say it, but we became a CrossFit gym just to be able to get in shape, you know, a little bit in June and July. But we've grown as a football team. We're growing as a program. We've been able to keep all the, the coaches that were with me uh, last year, so there ought to be some continuity and carryover from this point forward. And uh, I can't wait to really get going uh, when we come back in uh, July. Yeah, I mean, you know, and one thing, um, you know, of course, my wife's a teacher over at the middle school, so I went and watched them a good bit last year. Um, like a young man like a Max Brooks, for example, um, just the way he ran that offense at the middle school level, um, I mean, is he, and I, I'm, you know, not necessarily want to talk about players, but I mean, is he a guy that, I mean, I feel like he's definitely a weapon. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. You got, um, you got just, you know, kids in general. I mean, we've got a lot of, the one thing that I, we did different when I got here is we combined the middle school and the high school that way we had our hands on all the middle school kids, uh, every day we coached uh, Vincent Newton coached everybody in the program every day. So it wasn't a, uh, this high school, middle school deal. It was crossing, you know, and we were trying to get the, the kids better, but uh, you know, we're not uh, shy of talent here from the skill level standpoint, you know, Tyreek Jones is coming back as was an all state quarterback last year. Um, had a really, really good year. Uh, Jackson Moore is back. Uh, Dwayne Ashford's back, uh, you know, on offense. Uh, Tayshawn Pascoe had a 90-yard run in our uh, sectional game against Monticello at running back. He's back. So we, we have a bunch of uh, – we return every skill player, uh, every starter at the skill position uh, next year. So I, I'm re- looking really, really – I'm really, really excited to see uh, – how much we've grown. We've got to get better at what we do. Fundamentally, we weren't very sound, and that had to do with the layoff. We have, we got to improve those things. But I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how well we, how much we've improved when uh, we get going. As far as the defensive side of the ball is concerned, uh, last year, coach, you were you were pretty gritty uh, when it came to the to the uh, to the to the trenches. Um, yeah. that's 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 something that that really spoke to me, um, you know, just being here for four years and watching teams previous, um, you know, you, you seem to make the trenches a focal point uh, on offense and defense. Uh, talk a little bit about your defense coming up. You know, everything starts with the big – you're only as good as the big people. You can outrun everybody, but, you're, you know, you're, you still have to win up front. So, you know, what we had to do was we had to change things a little bit and play people on the offense and defensive line. So we lost uh, Nick Goodwin and Tristan Smith up front, which were two really, really good players. But, you know, we returned uh, JT and Nick – I mean, JT and Dylan Cootie and Chandler Odom and uh, 
we've got some really, really good young players. Uh, DJ Johnson is going to be a college player one day. Larry Morris is going to be a college player uh, one day up front. Brendan Brown moved over to us uh, from Hamburg. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he has Division One. Uh, he has TV Saturday capabilities as far as that goes. So we're we're getting better with our big people up front. You know, Chase Golden started every game for us last year. Uh, He's going to be a really, really good football. I mean, he's going to have a really, really good senior year. So, you know, we're looking forward to uh, our guys up there. We need more. Everybody, it's the thing. When, man, when I was coaching <clears throat> in South Georgia, you know, you'd have 300 people that signed Division One scholarships or that uh, 247 sports ranked, you know. And the University of Miami had come up there for us looking for O-linemen and D-linemen. So everybody needs O-linemen in D-line, and everybody needs more of them. Uh, we need more of them, but we just got to take the kids that we've got and we've got to develop them and make them bigger, better, bigger and stronger and uh, better football players and go from there. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Coach, you talked about it just a few minutes ago when you said you came in, you merged high school and middle school. Uh, I've always felt that that's probably the best thing to do. Talk a little bit about why you made that decision um, for crossing. Well, it, 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 it's always been a simple concept for me is uh, you can't have one group speaking Spanish and another group um, speaking Japanese and then get them together and they're fluent in English. You know, everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody has to speak the same language in order to be fluent in it. And um, that, that's it as a nutshell. And then they have to know what our expectations are. You know, they just can't um, – get to high school and it's feel like that they're dropped off on another planet. You know, they have to know me. They have to know the coaches. They have to know uh, the weight program, our system, how we do things, how we practice, uh, how we hold people accountable. So that that's the big deal to me is they have to know our system. They have to know our beliefs and they have to be able to speak our language. And if you're on, you have separate entities like that, then everybody's not on the same page. Uh, you know, when when you run an organization from top to bottom, it has to be in line. And if it's not in line, then you're not going to be successful. So uh, the secretary has to speak the same language that I speak. And that's the same as the middle school center has to speak the same language as the high school center in, in order for everybody to be successful. Great point. Sean Jackson joining us tonight from Crossett High School. He's the athletic director and also the head football coach. Four-star sports show brought to you by B.A. Masks. For more information on just the best mask made right now, Alan McFerrin and them do a great job. Reach out to bamasks.com. Uh, Coach, last question for you. It's a two-part question. Uh, and it all revolves around the city of Crossit. Uh, first part of the question is, talk a little bit about what brought you to Crossit. And second part of the question is, tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about what makes the city of Crossit such a great city. You know, um, my dad died two years ago, and I told my wife that we were going to try to get back uh, closer to home. I grew up in southeast Missouri, and I had read Barry Switzer's book. Oh, I hadn't read it. It was an audio book, and I had listened to it. Uh, it. It seemed like it was probably a month or two before I saw the posting here. And my mentor is Rick Jones. That's at Greenwood High School, and I saw this job came open. And I, I, I contacted him, and then we talked about it and uh, looked at the lay of the land down here. 
and then uh, that's how that came to pass. You know, I, I got a lot. I was sixteen or seventeen hours, something like that, maybe shorter than that from from where I grew up when I moved here. You know, I got five or six hours away from home. The the second part about it is is uh, everybody that's I've came in contact here has been awesome to me. Uh, really, really friendly. Really, really nice people. The you know the principal that I work with now, Anthony Boykin, has been a He's been the best I've worked with so far. Uh, he's been awesome. And Mr. Williams, the superintendent, he he was amazing to me. Both of them interviewed me. We had several uh, – they did their due diligence. You know, we had several Zoom meetings and one in-person interview. And, you know, excuse me, they basically answered every question, you know, dotted all the I's and crossed the T's before I got here. And what ends up happening, Wes, is when you're in interview processes – you sit there and you ask them, you say, well, what's behind door number two? You know, everybody wants to tell you, you know, all the great thing about this and that and the other, but there everywhere has problems. And uh, I didn't have to ask them those questions when I got here. They told me what the ins and outs were of everything. I wasn't led down the wrong path. And then everybody was just straight up front and honest, you know, as far as that goes. And then the, the kids here to me are special. Uh, it's a throwback to me. You know, one of the reasons, you know, I'm a big-time ball in South Georgia, so, so, quote, unquote. But, you know, every time I turned around, you know, we had this kid was going to Georgia and this one's going to here. And, well, if he wasn't getting enough carries, he was going to IMG or, you know what I mean? It's just stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, when I came here, it's really, really refreshing and um, because they're ball players. They love ball. They, they they sit in here with me in the office every night, six, seven, eight o'clock at night till I leave. I'm writing a, a thing right now for next year's graduation, and it's called uh, They Rode Up in Bikes. And it's a story <laughs> about when I met these kids because uh, when I was first here, I would hear somebody – we had all the COVID stuff, and they would text me and say, Coach, we're outside. And they would – all of them had ridden up on bikes – and I would walk out of the building and I would go out there and stand by the gate and we would talk for a long time. So that's how I got to, that's how I got to meet everybody. They would be banging on the door coach where, well, they couldn't come in here and I couldn't bring them in here. So we would go basically out there and just stand by the road every night and talk. It seemed like forever sometimes. And um, that's how I met everybody. And that that's my memory uh, of these kids and all we ever talked about was ball. They love, they love football. They love sports here. And uh, it's really, really refreshing to me. Well, coach, I tell you one thing, man, I'm just, just watching last year uh, through streaming, you know, with COVID and everything we, you know, y'all streamed a lot of games. Um, but uh, I am really looking forward to next football season for the Cross and Eagles. Uh, I think it's going to be another very successful year. And uh, I'm I'm really enjoying to see uh, just how far you can you can take this program. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. We're looking forward to it. We can't work, wait to really get cranked back up when we get here in July, man. Good deal. Well, I uh, I I will make sure that Four Star Sports shows across the road covering a few Cross at Eagles games next season for sure. Once again, I am Wes Pruitt. Sean Jackson has graced us with an amazing interview tonight. Talked a little college football. Talked a little life for that matter and talked a little bit across at Eagle football. Once again, Coach Jackson, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Wes. Thanks for having me, man.